Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. football yes welcome in to purple daily daily vikings entertainment presented by our friends at surly brewing company live or in this case pre-recorded on a sunday morning from the tcl studios enjoy more of what you love with tcl mackie it's judd we've given our executive producer declan goff the morning to uh, sleep in here uh, I'm fresh off a very refreshing and amazing. I was doing some scouting on the Broncos side. Just to, uh, they didn't pay me for my work, the Vikings, because I didn't do a good enough job. Clearly notifying them of just how dominant the Broncos were going to be in this preseason game. I'm just coming off a of vacation. Judd was entrenched at U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday, and Judd, let's just dive into your takeaways, and I'll sprinkle in mine too because I caught up on the game this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with Jake Browning because you you came out pretty strong yesterday on Score North socials with uh, and your Instagram live yep. video yesterday. So let's just start with Jake Browning trying to win that backup quarterback job in a disaster game for the Vikings. So I told you that the most important thing to me was going to be not just how Jake looked in practices, and it was a great story. You replaced Kirk, and Kirk was out for five days, and look at Jake Browning. I told you though the most important thing was actual games because that that basically says can you run a game and there's a big step from practice to preseason games and then oh my god the step if you have to go from exhibition games to regular season games and yes jake browning didn't exactly have a lot of help yesterday but i was also looking for how he processed it and and handled things and keep in mind this is a guy who the last two years has been on practice squad and because there was no preseason in 2020 phil did not have one uh, he's nowhere near close to being able to handle a game. And by that, I don't mean, can he make great plays or can he do, fa- you know, like, because the, the comeback is always, well, is Blake Bortles going to come in and make big plays? I mean, they're screwed, but there's a difference between what, what you're talking about there and what I'm talking about, which is the actual fundamentals of the game itself, which by the way, I know it's made to look simple by really good players, but it moves incredibly fast and it's incredibly difficult. So, like, there are things like calling the right play, getting the right play out, um, how you go about simple things like handing off, check down passes. Like, we take all Avo- of this. Avoiding pick sixes. Yeah, right? and we, but we take all of this for granted because, well, they all do it. They all can do it, right? Well, no, they really all can't. So, I, I saw enough yesterday to say this. There's only two preseason games left. If Jake Brown and God forbid had to enter in week three or start week four, week four, 
in my opinion, you're punting on that game completely. You're too good to punt completely. If you weren't, if you didn't care, I'd be like, okay, this sucks, but it's fine. But Phil, this team has expectations. And I'm not saying if Cousins goes out for 10 games, it's probably done. I get, I get that. But if you have to put the guy in, can he run the game? Literally, that's what I'm saying. Run the game. My conclusion yesterday is it's too much for Jake Browning right now. It's not fair to him to ask him to do that. So uh, we'll get to the Kellen Mond side of this, too, because I think it was sort of surprising how much he played after missing so much practice the last couple of weeks. But yes. So at one point you asked Mike Zimmer in the post game about like, OK, I mean, you're if Kirk Cousins is out for whatever reason, then it kind of feels like you don't have anyone to lean on here because you don't you don't have anyone that's played an NFL game before. But on the flip side, Mike Zimmer has been very complimentary of Jake Browning. He loves his leadership. He loves he, he called him a get it done guy in the two minute drill in practice a couple days ago. And so so Mike Zimmer, I think, really wants Jake Browning. He loves his personality, loves his leadership and some and some certain qualities. And he's one of the more experienced college quarterbacks you're going to find um, from two years ago out of Washington. So Zimmer wants this to work with Browning. But I think if you were to have given Zimmer like more experienced options on the roster, then then he would have viewed Jake Browning as a perfect like third, fourth quarterback candidate, a guy that can come in and you know run the practice squad as necessary. So are you just like, did you see enough in this game to say, uh-uh, I don't even need to see a second and third? Because I'm I'm at the point where I want to see two more games of Browning based on what Mike Zimmer has said yep. before I'm just out on him. Yep. But he, I mean, he looked skittish. He, the, the, I would say the game looked more sped up for Mond than it did for Jake Browning, even though Browning's the one that threw a pick six yesterday. Yeah. Um, but like, if either one of those guys had to go into a game and do anything other than hand off 45 times in a regular season game, I would not feel good about the Vikings' chances to win right now. So first of all, um, there is no reason not to continue to play Jake. So like, yes, I, I want to see uh, the next two games. That's fine. But I also want the Vikings on the phone this morning, or at least talking internally about other options. And this, I'm this is no. I mean, there's like there's well, like there's not Blake right now, but there will. And... But there will be. There will be though as cuts come down, and it, there, so there's going to be three cutdowns. They start on Tuesday. We're only going to go from uh, 90 to 85 on Tuesday, but there are two more cutdowns to 53 after that. So there will be guys out out there. But you need to start preparing. Um, so on Kellen Mond, to your point. I thought, and, and actually, I asked this question to Mike, and he disagreed with me, but I thought that the game looked, I thought he moved slow because the game is so fast. Now, Mike, Mike, and he really didn't get into specifics, but he said, no, that really isn't it. It's more so, and I, th- I don't know if he was trying to say that he doesn't process the game right yet or what. But on Jake, to me, it wasn't necessarily the physical things, although there, there were things. The the terrible safety that our good friend Dakota Dozier took was in part because Jake's got to get rid of that ball. Like, you can't stand back there. You're in the bleeping end zone. Yeah. But that being said, it's not that the game moved too fast for Jake all of the time from what we watched as fans or in our job. It's that mentally, I think, processing it. And again, this is tough. I'm not like dumping on this kid because he sucks. This is just a very tough thing. And and he didn't have, Phil, he hasn't until yesterday, he hadn't had the ability to play in a game uh, since 2019. And I'm sure that there's some fans who are saying, well, that's the point. Just wait. Just oh, This team doesn't have time to wait. This team's supposed to be good. I, I have no tolerance 
for the 2021 Vikings for the, well, just be patient. It's going to work. You don't, you're past that point. The head coach is in a predicament right now where he needs to win. And I don't know that there's any excuses outside of everyone being hurt that is going to get this coach and this team off the hook for what the expectations, by the way, should be. So like this whole thing of, well, just wait, Jake will develop. You don't have time for that right now. That's well, a, that's a, that's a thing that you had time for in 2014. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we're going to get to see two more preseason games and we'll, I think we'll have a, and then maybe there will be some experienced backup quarterbacks available. But I, I mean, the more I think about that angle, I think they have a better chance through sort of plucking the waiver wire to build more depth at other positions. I don't know that they're going to find someone with like 10 games of NFL, you know, starting experience as a backup in the next two or three weeks. I Unless they sign Blake Bortles or is Matt, did Matt Moore retire? Is he, he on a team? He might have retired, but I, I believe, I believe if I'm not mistaken, is, is Mannion right now the third guy with the Seahawks, so he's probably going to be waived. Possibly, I'm so just they'll, saying, they'll just bring Mannion back. That won't I'm make just, anyone feel great, but no, no. But that's not my point. My point is, you. I'm not looking for like a starter behind Kirk. I'm looking for a guy. I mean, I keep saying it because it's just so simple. Who knows how to run a game at real speed? Like here's, that's, a, here's one more thing I will I will say because I, I I'm the jury is much more out for me than it is for you on Jake mm -hmm. Browning as a backup. He would never be put in a situation, and Kellen Mond too, in a regular season NFL game where he doesn't have at least like a professional wide receiver out there to throw to. Like he's gonna have Jefferson and Thielen. And some of this, some of this is the game's moving fast, and I'm trying to get through my reads in a in US Bank Stadium against a, a, an opposing defense. And like there's definitely gonna be some some wheels spinning in ways that aren't in practice. But also it's easier for you to process those reads when Justin Jefferson breaks free over the middle or something, right? Or Adam Thielen gets separation off the sure. block. So that's that's one thing, too, that when you watch these backup quarterbacks, they're also playing with backups. So mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt. On the Kellen Mond front, uh, again, this is, his, this is his first ever NFL preseason game, and he missed almost two weeks of practice because of, of a COVID positive. Sure. But... It looked like he wasn't even going through his reads at time. It looked it looked like, all right, where's the first guy? Oh my God, I need to I need to escape a bad offensive line or something. And some of it's offensive line related. Right. Um, I did like the mobility, the ability to sort of flush from the pocket or run for a first down. That's something that I think long term would be a great asset for a Viking starting quarterback. But um, definitely a long ways to go. I think Kellen Mond just solidified, yep, this is a developmental guy. If he's going to be an NFL starter, it will not be anywhere near 2021. And uh, that that was something that I think was verified in that in that game yesterday. So Mond came into the game, I think, Browning, I believe he played four series. It was in the second quarter. And the Vikings are down by 20 at halftime, okay? So, like, that's license in a preseason game ordinarily to, hey, third and fourth quarter. Air it out. Let's see what you got. Yeah, they were it. pounding the rock down 33 to 6. Like, what? <laughs> and Mond, so Mond, in a game that the Vikings were down substantially, ends the game and basically plays, I would say, two and a half quarters, 6 of 16 for 53 yards. Uh, Zimmer was asked post game about the lack of throwing because it was just sort of weird. Like, why not allow the kid to throw? And he started to sort of answer, and then he said, I'm not going to get into it. So I don't know what the frustration – like Mike was 
Mike was frustrated, and I don't know what the frustration is. I don't know if it lied with Mond himself, if it lied with play calling for Mond, which, you, you know, Mike basically, I think, complains about play calling, but he he allows Clint Kubiak now, previously Gary, to do it. Yeah. So there was definitely something at work there that he didn't like how it went. But we do have to be prepared. I mean, young quarterback like Mond, the first instinct for a long time, I, I'm talking most of your first year sometimes, is to run. Like that's the instinct. Well, Christian Ponder had that instinct still in like I know. year three, but, right? You know, but but again, I'll go back to this. Processing reads looks easy for guys that are good at it and, and guys who do it. Like like we're always like, well, just process your reads. Kellen Mond's like, I saw I don't see any more reads. Kellen Mond's like, Did you see Wyatt Davis get forklifted off the line yeah. of scrimmage nine times? Yeah. So the- so and and while I am while I do believe that Browning shouldn't be and can't be the backup, just to be clear about the entire experience of what was just an atrocious game to watch against the Broncos, um, I think they actually did a very smart thing by playing all backups. Agreed. Because one, one, this was not your starters. Okay. So like your starters didn't get blown out. And Denver, um, I, I was talking to a, a reporter from there. He did say because I saw tweets about the Broncos are playing their starters. It's not fair. The Broncos actually, I believe, played, he said, three starters on offense and five on defense. So it's not like they played their entire team. But I think playing your backups was very smart because you learned a lot about a lot of guys that probably shouldn't make this roster and were presented with a great opportunity and didn't take advantage. Um, and on Mond, like I saw stuff about Mond. Oh, Mond's playing great or Mond's not that... I'm with you, Phil. He should sit. So, like, I am not going to – I'm going to pass judgment on Browning because I fear the Vikings might need him. Uh, yeah, Mond should they, just – should just Exactly. 2022, baby. Just if they, if they need Mond, it's gone so sideways that it's probably hopeless at that point. Yeah, so and on that Broncos front, you know, they – so let's say they played a handful of starters. They also played for the majority of that game. When did, when did Brett Rippon come in? Like fourth, third, fourth, late third. Yeah. When did Teddy leave? Because Teddy in played third. in the third, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Both are bo- both Locke and t- Teddy because they're engaged in a in a battle. Actually, played yes. in the second half. Because I think I'm just or, trying to remember like when the scoring train stopped. I'm pretty sure the Broncos put up all 33 offensive points with two, albeit not like Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks, with two very much like professional. Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. They're not going to crack a top 10 list, mm-hmm. but but if you would have told me before the game, this is why the final score doesn't mean anything to me. Like mm-hmm. The fact that they got their their asses kicked. All right, if you would have told me, hey, the Vikings are going to sit 31, basically they're 31 best players in this game, including all of their starters and pro bowlers, and there's a few Hall of Famers in that mix, maybe Daniil Hunter, sure. Harrison Smith. Like These guys aren't going to play. And the Broncos are going to start. So the, and, and the two quarterbacks the Vikings are going to use, this is basically – their first NFL taste. Like Jake Browning got a preseason taste a couple years ago, but they've never played NFL football before against an opposing team in a real game. Um, it should have been lopsided. Like the, the Vikings were going to keep this game close. And, and and I think Mike Zimmer's frustration is more defensively. Okay, Cam Dantzler, why are you getting burned for an 80-plus yard touchdown? Right. right? Um, I think he's looking at the linebacker depth and saying, my God, once you get basically once you get past Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, it's all question marks. And they were and and they were giving starter treatment to the third and to Nick Vigil got starting treatment and didn't play in this game. And so Mike Zimmer's looking at all of these, you know, second, third stringers that will have to play if guys get hurt 
and that's where his angst lies. You can't just go through this season and cross your fingers and pray that all of your starters are just healthy for 17 games. And by the way, if these guys get hurt mm-hmm. and the inferior backups have to come in, if Dakota Dozier has to play five weeks, if Nick Vigil has to start at linebacker or something, right, and he's just not good enough, you can't just shrug your shoulders and say, well, that's just bad luck. You know, Vikings had some injuries. Every right. team has injuries. Depth matters. Attrition matters in the NFL. And I think that after yesterday is where Mike Zimmer is not as concerned about like 33 to 6 or Kellen Mond looking like he's kind of a deer in the headlights at times. Or like I think he's more nervous about depth overall. If guys get hurt, we are screwed if we have to lean on that collection yesterday. The score doesn't matter. The performance does, if that makes sense. And it's the performance of, I think, certain players who were presented with an opportunity to really shine. And you know what? Um, be competitive against the Broncos that played like that. That's the thing about it. And I think Mike rightfully so was very frustrated by the performance of a lot of guys who he expected would not necessarily play starring roles, but play well. And, and to Mike's point too, and he's right about this. He pointed out part of what disappointed him was you practiced against this team for two days. Like you saw tendencies, things that you should pick up on, and you didn't. And because he cited the Browning pick six by Sertain as a prime example. He's like, okay, first of all, it's it's not a good pass. But second of all, he practiced against Sertain for two days. Like he knew he knew the tells of the cornerback. And but these are again, Phil, these are all the things that we don't think about that are important to coaches and players. Yeah. Um, and part of it is preparation and smarts. And when your quarterback doesn't think that through, that's a big, big issue as far as trust goes. And I'll say this Jake Browning to me for sure lost a lot of trust that he probably had going into that game, and he failed the test. That pick six, and we'll we'll move on to uh offensive line in a second here Mm. because somebody else got starter treatment that was Mm. very interesting Mm. but you know you you watch baseball games and you kind of know like what a home run off the bat looks like because you're just so used to watching in the frame of the screen right you were you were at the stadium so you got the the real wide lens but yep um but then in football it's like you you watch enough football on tv and a quarterback drops back and you can kind of tell if a quarterback is staring in a certain spot for too long, your 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 heart starts to race a little bit. Like, oh my god, no, 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 no. That was that play. Jake Browning drops back the entire time. He's staring to the right. Yep. And it didn't need to be. It, it could have been literally. I mean, Patrick Sertain's. He's a rookie. Like, it could have been anyone. Anyone would have watched his eyes. He's dropping back. Okay, he's staring this guy down. He's not looking anyone off. Like anyone would have jumped that route. <laughs> it was just. It was just a. It was a textbook one on one what you shouldn't do as a starting quarterback on a route like that. And, he and it was it. a bad pass too. Like yeah. it had no zip to it whatsoever. It just sort of, yeah, it was, you, you could in the press box and it sounds like on TV too, you could see that like in, like in slow motion of no, yep. don't throw that pass. So yeah. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about the offensive line. Well, shall well, we, before we transition to the offensive line, I think we need to collect ourselves. And uh, I know it's morning here, but, that was a 33 to 6 shellacking and I think there's nothing better in the morning than a just a tall boy surly furious. That's me, well, I'm cracking one of those probably immediately after I get done uh, with this episode. So my guess is Zim went home last night and I know he was surly and I know 
he was furious. And the irony of this is what takes the edge off a football coach who is surly and furious? Stopping at his local liquor store and picking up surly furious to take the edge off. I had, uh, full disclosure, I think I had three last night. Okay. I think I had three, sat down and watched uh, the ball game, sat down and watched some late night preseason Rams and Chargers. And there is nothing like sports and surely furious, which is outstanding. You know, Phil, I've always said this, but my good man, you do enough settling in life. Crack open a surly furious and enjoy the IPA that revolutionized Minnesota craft beer. Don't settle. Get surly. Boom. Football. We're going to convert Mike Zimmer from red wine to surly by the end of the season. It's a perfect beer for him. Judd and Mike Zimmer, just tandem faces of Minnesota's uh, original Chip Scoggins. Surly Furious. Very jealous, by the way. Very jealous. Stop me can, in the press box and said, You've got, <laughs> he said to me, Do you get it for free now? It's my favorite beer. He called me last week. He's working on a top secret project that I'm sure you have been uh, yes. told about as well. Yeah, that'll be amazing. And uh, and like we he wanted to talk about the top secret project, but he's like, what's this deal with Judd and Surly now? Is yeah. Judd just like a walking billboard for Surly? Yes. Yes, yeah, yes I am. <laughs> all right. So, well, OK. Um, all right. Thirty one guys sat yesterday, including Oli Udo. And I think that signifies pretty clearly that he's the leader in the clubhouse for the starting right guard position. So. I guess my question to you is, what's more valuable, him sitting and protecting against season-ending injury, even though he has like 34 snaps of experience as an NFL offensive lineman, Yep. or him playing an extra, let's say, I don't know, uh, 60 to 70 snaps in the preseason to get more of a feel for NFL competition? Would you have rested Ole Udo in that game yesterday? Let me make this very clear, okay? One is, I like what the Vikings did. I know they got blown out. I know if you went to the game, it stunk, okay? But I like what they did. I applaud the backup plan. Um, For the most part, on lots of players, or on some players, I will give passes. I will give them passes, or I will give the team at least the ability to say, well, we learned something, and it's valuable, and now player X is gone. And I'll be like, okay, that's good, too. Uh when it comes to what they did at right guard yesterday, I have no clue what they're doing. They're screwing it up, and I don't get it, starting with what you just said. All right, Brian O'Neill, sit him. Good idea. Don't want him hurt. Established at right tackle. Rashad Hill got banged up against uh, the Broncos on Thursday, so, you know, sit him. I, I would prefer he plays, but he's played a long time. I, I, I can see that one. Ezra Cleveland and Bradbury, your call. Your call, Mike. I'm okay. I think Rick. to me, yeah. Cleveland was good, and he wasn't amazing last year, but he was good enough and has shown an aptitude. But to you don't have a he... problem with it, right? No. Like, I don't either. I'm good. Um, Ole Udo just got converted from tackle to guard, and you're going to treat him like you do the rest of the starting line because you're afraid he might get hurt or you don't think he needs to play? Excuse me? First of all, uh, he is, until he proves he's not, a guy. Who needs work? Why he didn't start and play and play like the first half, I don't know. And don't give me this. Well, it's continuity. And if he's not with his new line mates, it's not going to work. No, this guy needs playing time at a new position. I mean, this is a, this is a spring training game where you've moved Polanco to second from short or vice versa. And you're like, oh, he'll be fine there. We don't need to see him play there. Excuse me? Yeah. Um. So let's start with that one. 
I personally have no idea why you wouldn't play him to allow him to adjust to a new position. Here's the other thing, too, because I, I agree with you. I, I I understand wanting to protect certain players from getting hurt, but I think, and, and the, clearly the Vikings have thought this through and the Vikings feel differently. They say, listen, the reps he's getting in practice are not maybe as valuable, but they're valuable enough, and we just, but this is where I get to my, I'll piggyback off you. What they're saying is, the gap between Ole Udo and if we had to play Dakota Dozier or Wyatt Davis is too wide for us to risk Ole Udo getting hurt and being unavailable for a chunk of the you know September or October part of the schedule. To which I would say, then why do you have such unreliable depth and backups? Why is Dakota Dozier still even on this roster in a position to commit a holding penalty in the end zone for a safety to get? Didn't he get called for another penalty, a false start too? Yep, two penalties, on, two penalties, and first series on i believe it was browning's first pass he's the one that got beat that caused the play to get blown up yeah. and the pass got tipped and almost almost picked and then on the on the wyatt yeah. davis front you know we've all been sitting here all off season kind of wondering all right they've kind of kept him down in the depth chart there and um okay the, so he's kind of running with the twos and the threes like why and he's not being mentioned in the competition for right guard didn't they draft this guy as kind of an nfl ready Ohio State, size-wise, he's there. You know, like, well, I wonder why he's not in the mix more. That's interesting. And then you watch him play in the first preseason game, and he is getting lifted off the line. Like, I think it was the first snap, for sure, the first series. Jamar Stefan, yeah. And Stefan lifts him up, backs him five or six yards into Jake Browning. Yeah. And then you watch a couple other plays on that same series. It's like the he's just getting driven backwards. So I don't know if it's technique. Or, or footwork or whatever it is. It's certainly not a lack of size. Like, you could point to Garrett Bradbury for the first couple of years and say, boy, even if his technique is pretty good, like, he's just not very big. You know, he's just like, right. he's going to be going against guys that are just going to be dozens of pounds heavier than he is. Wyatt Davis is a big dude. Yeah. And so there, mu there must be some raw mechanics and footwork there that need to be ironed out. But you watch him in that game, and there is no way you could put him at starting right guard in week one or two. So I, I understand after watching yesterday why Ole Udo has risen above the other competition, competition, quote unquote, at, at right guard. But there are just there are I don't want to I don't want to make this a Kirk Cousins episode, but like when we talk about the starting quarterback having the second or third highest cap hit in the NFL, yep. and people fight back with, well, look how many players they've added. Clearly they've been able to add players. Oh, yeah, no. Well, they have. Yeah, like they've added some defensive players. But do you look at this team right now and think, boy, this is 1 through 53. Like I feel amazing about every position depth-wise, offensive line. No, th they have made a conscious choice to take the resources that they did clear, invest yep. it into defense, whether it was Kirk saying no or the Vikings not wanting to add guaranteed money after 2022. Um, they decided not to, to restructure his contract. And the compromise, the, the salary cap compromise here is Ole Udo is the starting right guard, and Rashad Hill, maybe Christian Derrissaw, depending on what happens in the next three weeks, is your starting left tackle. And you are crossing your fingers and praying to the football gods that those two positions hold up for Kirk or that he rises above it somehow. Like, that's that's yeah. kind of what's happening here. And we'll see. Maybe Maybe it works out fine. Maybe he rises above it more than he has in previous years. They deserve to prove that going forward. But mm -hmm. that's the that's the compromise that's been made, and you and you you saw it yesterday in that preseason game from a depth perspective. So outside of uh, Dalvin Tomlinson this year and Michael Pierce last year, the majority of guys that they have brought on are like on one year contracts. 
I mean, Patrick Peterson was was relative to the start of free agency, a late signing. Hey, he's still there. He'll sign. So like this whole thing about, well, look at the guys that they brought on. Okay. They still couldn't bring on a guy like a Joe Thune because they couldn't have, they didn't have the salary cap cash accessible to do a long-term deal with a guard that would have solidified the line by a lot. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. I'd put in that mix too because sure. you'd have to give up draft capital and sign well, him to an extension that pays him like $15 million a year or more. And this is why, so the the report to backtrack to last week, the report came down last week from, I believe, our guy Doogie and our old old buddy Tommy Pellicero about Christian Derisaw and that he had had a quote-unquote minor core muscle procedure done and everyone's like, oh, he'll be back soon. Don't worry about it. He could start on opening day, which is nonsense. They wouldn't do that. And Zimmer, in his press conference then, the first time he's asked, said, I was told he'd be ready by now. Like, he's frustrated. And you know why? Because oh he, but, but Phil, he's frustrated because he was told, this is your left tackle. Like, you really think he wants Rashad Hill, who I think he likes as a person. I guess yeah. he's a great guy. Um, and then right guard is a definite question mark here. So here's the one thing I don't get. Like this is the Wyatt Davis not being as prepared as we thought. I sort of blame us because he's a third round pick and we were all, and we all, I do the same thing too. We're all like, Oh, they drafted a third round guard. This is going to, you know, this is solves yeah. the problem. I mean, um, yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more, but I've also can't say I'm shocked. The Darisaw thing's a problem, flat out a problem. I feel like, I, I feel like, I don't know. We could probably go back and review the tape. And w- listen, we're wrong all the time. And that's why we do accountability sessions on Wednesdays on Purple Daily as part of Write That Down. But I feel like the entire offseason, it kind of felt like the Vikings fan base and Vikings social media and Vikings bloggerville was like, especially Vikings bloggerville and Vikings podcasterville, where it's like, oh my God, like let's bone at the teat this yep. offseason, right? Yep. What an amazing, let's all stand and give Rick Spielman a lifetime contract. I feel like and it's I like, did that too. And I, and I feel like I did some of that. I won't lie. But I think when it came to the offensive line, you and I, whenever we would th- sort of go down the path of, let's, well, I mean, like, Darisaw's a rookie mm-hmm. and Wyatt Davis is a third-round pick. And we're, we're projecting if they pan out to the best of their capabilities immediately. And if that happens, they're fine. But the chances of that happening where it's like, boom, both guys are just ready to rock week one like veterans. You plug them in and they're average or better and everything's smooth sailing. Like the percentage chance of that happening was realistically very low. And now there's almost no way either one of those guys is playing in week one, starting for sure. No. And and now it comes down to what did you do with your sixth, seventh and eighth spots on the offensive line pecking order? How confident do you feel in Rashad Hill? But this is all going to come back to if they run out there. And Oli Udo is the starting right guard, and Rashad Hill is the starting left tackle. Yep. Um, if they run that out there and it train wrecks, and they start one and three or something, and Kirk Cousins gets sacked, you know, fifteen times in the first three games, is that a built-in reason or excuse? Can can now can everyone just say, well, I mean, listen, like if Darisaw hadn't needed an extra surgery, and if uh, you know if you know, right guard, you know, if Wyatt Davis had come along faster then this thing would have been different. And so those are the excuses for why, like that's that's because we're we're kind of, but it's kind of the same, we're kind of in the same spin cycle as we've been for a couple years here, right? I agree. I agree. But so here's the one thing I don't get though. And if I, if I was the Wilfs, this is the one question I think I would have been asking previously and would have asked for certain today. Okay. So like you, you for a long time, and especially now are trying to go 
in some ways on the cheap in in a position group where you have struggled for a long time if not i mean there are some guys who have panned out but as far as the entire thing goes yesterday dakota dozier starts and i know i know he's the second guy right now but i guess question one is why is he the second guy question two is why is he still here and question three is when is enough enough um if you had started Wyatt Davis and he had been forklifted as the starter yesterday with Udo sitting, I'd still be like, okay, I don't like what I saw, but he's getting experience. And and you know what? Expecting a third round pick to, to step in opening day would have been a would have been a big ask. Uh why is Dakota Dozier here? What are you doing? Like, it's like so it's, weird. it's it's so like weird. you're intent on continually embarrassing your evaluation skills. It's so weird. Yeah, like there's and I get that Jake Browning held onto that ball too long as a quarterback. Right, you you right. gotta, you got when you're in the end zone like that, you just, you, you gotta do something, right? But why even put yourself in that situation where Dakota Dozier could get called for a holding penalty in the end zone? Why is he on the roster? Why is he on the roster? I don't know. There's not anybody out there for a veterans league minimum that would have come in here. Not, there's, you tell me in, in the, and I, and I can almost guarantee you he's get well, he should get cut before the season. And they should just Tuesday. find they should just find anybody else who's played an NFL snap to replace him. But why why do they continue to tempt themselves? It's Dude. like but it's like the, this weird dalliance. Here's the other crazy thing. Let's say you know guys are getting banged up. It's practice. If Ole Udo gets nicked up or something in practice, let's say yep. he uh, you know gets stepped on or something, right? Dakota Dozier is your starting right guard right now. No, I know, but rem- so remove nuts. the temp. So you got nuts. But Phil, there are a lot of positions. What yesterday did was. There are positions at which you need to go out when when the waiver process starts and guys get cut, or if there's guys on the street who you're interested in, you need to go out and look at them. Um, Dakota Dozier, so I, I actually, since it, it was a, uh exhibition game yesterday, I actually put the glasses on the big guard for a while to, like, see what like oh, what you had the, the, the you had the binoculars. The binoculars, yeah. Oh, the binocs came out yesterday. Yep. Yep. Here they oh, are. Oh yeah. If you're watching, <laughs> I, I had these puppies out. So I was watching them because I'm like, what happens exactly? Like, how does this how does this happen? Here's how I would describe it now. Do you know when you're a small kid and, and your parents are trying to teach you how to swim and you got a flotation? device on but they put you in sort of the deeper end because you've, you've got to learn how to yeah uh, your feet your feet can't not, be hitting the ground you got yeah right right you've got yeah. to have you've got to have the ability to to be like i can swim every snap looks like dakota dozier is a six-year-old thrown into the deep end and that fighting thing that where you start to splash and oh, yeah. and, and, and like and like not breathe right and you're like i, I gotta get above it that's dakota dozier with every snap it's like he's just like thinking about how he can not die on this yes. particular play yes how he how he <laughs> cannot figuratively drown in sackville oh my god that's amazing i love the metaphor that's what i saw um real quick a shout out to our friends at moon motorsports so they're celebrating 50 years as a family-owned and operated multi-line dealer in monticello minnesota that's my old stomping grounds out there I, I i was a buffalo high school guy monticello you are our rivals we didn't like you but we like moon motorsports all right we love you now side by sides atvs motorcycles snowmobiles all right i know it's kind of crazy to think before the state fair about snowmobiling but this is the time to 
maybe check one out so that you're ready to rock once the snow hits sometime in, uh, I don't know, hopefully not to like November or December. But uh, it's the most exciting power sports selection in the region. Check them out, moonmotorsports.com. Their website's amazing, moonmotorsports.com. Check them out today. So I think we should um, – we got all kinds more thoughts on this, and we can and we can dive more in tomorrow. But I think we should a punter. Well, we, the punter. They hey, the, hey, Greg Joseph made a couple field goals know, yeah, inside no. thirty-five yards. That's but okay. You know what? He didn't miss them. Mike Zimmer basically said Britton Colquitt's job is in question after that game. I want to talk about right? that tomorrow though, because that's actually there. There's a, there's a sneaky there's a sneaky thing about that that's really important that we should get to tomorrow. Okay, I like the tease. So I think I think. Ordinarily, we wait to bring back the pie chart of blame and praise until the regular season. I think we should just start. It's a Monday staple. It was on Mackie and Judd. We're bringing it to Purple Daily this season every Monday. Pie chart of blame, pie chart of praise. I think we should go pie chart of blame tomorrow. Love it. Let's do it. All right. So uh, that's a wrap on this Sunday edition, recapping the Vikings' first preseason game. Just an absolute disaster. Mike Zimmer is usually pretty good in the preseason. But, uh, they, I mean, they went out there with yeah, they went out there with no ammunition. And, and so. Last thing, more and more, and I actually agree with this, more and more coaches are now essentially saying it's not worth it to play yeah. starters. Um, we are going to be at 18, 18 regular season games within about four years at this point because yeah. you can't justify this. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think I think you're going to see more joint practices like the Vikings-Broncos. Yeah. That's a great thing. So you can do a little joint practice. You can get your yeah. get your paws on an opposing team. scouting report on uh, a certain number five in the Broncos jersey as well for you. Can you get, actually, I think you texted us that, right? Yeah. Is it that he just can't throw the ball anymore? He can't. He's no arm left. He has we no know, arm. But he was he was checking down. I mean, he was I know, he was doing a good like, job finding those receivers yesterday. But when I went to practice, like I'm breaking down a lot. I'm at the practice field. I basically have the eye now of a scout. <laughs> it's time for Teddy probably to do something besides quarterbacking. I think but I think if Teddy can just hold a clipboard as a backup quarterback behind right? like he needs to be behind a durable, like really good Pro Bowl caliber quarterback, right? I mean, he would be great as a backup to Kirk, honestly. You know whose arm like, I really Kirk's like? Kirk's never hurt, so. Brett Rippon. That guy's got a nice arm. He so, dumb on... question. That's Mark Rippon's kid? I think it's a relative. I don't think it's his kid. Okay. But he's got a hell of an arm, and he puts the ball. He he had a ball dropped, I think it was in the fourth quarter, on a deep pass yesterday that 1,000% should be caught. It was a great throw. All those guys are just holding Aaron Rodgers' job for one more year, though. That's what I think Denver's literally just like, whatever. Or, we thought we were going to get him this year, but. Or. Or Kirky. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> we'll definitely get into that at some point. All right. That's a wrap. Purple Daily, presented Bye. by Surly Brewing Company, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Good stuff. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 2. I could see beyond the Black Hills and the way they called for exploration. I could feel the air the way it paints against skin and fills hungry lungs. I could hear the way the water ran for miles and the way the bison grazed, the way our boots meet the earth as we step past expected. I could imagine my time in South Dakota, and I wish to go back because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.